Restaurant Unstoppable episode 1023 with Matt Lombardo. Character is who you are when no one's watching. So I feel like that translates through a lot of kitchens everywhere, but the true people and the true leaders in this industry really know what that means. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Why are you still taking phone calls when you have online services that can support the majority of your guest needs? Redirect your callers so you can focus on the food and the guests across the counter. Reachify is powerful and flexible. For example, with advanced automation and caller deflection, Reachify prevents missed caller opportunities and diverts callers to online actions. Reachify also simplifies workflows for your team, enabling them to operate more efficiently to attract, retain, and engage callers effectively. Reachify, be in control of the conversation you want to have when you're able to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. That's reachify.io slash unstoppable. Restaurant owners and operators, you can make a difference in the lives of your staff and their families by supporting CORE, which stands for Children of Restaurant Employees. CORE is a national nonprofit that provides financial grants to food and beverage service employees with children when either the employee, their child, or their partner faces a life-altering medical crisis or natural disaster. Not only can you share CORE as a benefit in resource with your staff, you can also donate directly or host a fundraising promotion. Core critically needs your financial support to continue to provide relief to restaurant employees that qualify for a grant when life does not go as planned. Support of Core allows you to give back to your employees and restaurant families across the country. Visit coregives.com org to learn more together we can make a difference in the lives of those who serve us daily this episode is brought to you by pop menu look there is a lot of elements to consider when growing your restaurant like are you connecting with your diners and with the right message and could your kitchen put out more orders than your dining room has room for there's so much to consider and it can be overwhelming when you got into this business for the food and the people and that's why i recommend pop menu and that's why restaurants get pop menu frankly pop menu is technology for restaurants that are ready to grow for a limited time get 100 dollars off your first month plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot 
program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, chef owner of the Pink Door Catering and Market, Matt Lombardo. My man, Matt, are you feeling unstoppable today? And the cheers on top oh, of Oh, I am feeling very unstoppable today. Yeah, dude. I'm psyched to be here. So Casey and Tom put me on to you. Um, Casey and I have been working together for a few years now. Uh, she has had a huge impact on me in my business. I was talking to her. I'm like, Casey, like, who... Who can be your evangelist? Who who do I need to get on the show who's doing an amazing job, who's using Profit First principles, and can speak to the power of Profit First? And she said, you got to talk to Matt. Matt is killing it down in Cape. I, I literally got introduced to you yesterday. I made the three-hour drive down here. We're, we're, we're recording. I thank you, man, for being so flexible and being willing to, to hop on and share your story. I cannot wait to dive into it. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? So I got two here. One, we we say all the time in here, PVOs, positive vibes only. Ooh. So that's something we live by. You can tell someone's answering the phone with a customer. You say PVOs, man, like positive that, vibes dude. will get you through anything. It's so true, man. Yeah. And it is a choice. You know, like it's so powerful when you start to realize that your attitude is a choice. 100%. Absolutely. That leads all of us in here every day. Obviously, there's days when things are going on outside of here, your family at home. and But when you step in these doors here, you know, you want to put on that PVO attitude for the customer because they're here. They might be having a bad day too, and, and you need to be here for them, whether that's a tasty meal or a hug or booking an event right. or whatever it may be. So. And the days you're sharing with people are special days. You know, these aren't just every day. These are big days for people. Your energy will spill over into their, their special day. Yep. Honestly, I, th- I think of that. I was driving to the wedding and I had a new chef with me and I said, listen, man, we do these every weekend weddings. You know, we're so used to it, but you had to pinch yourself like this is that person's most important day of their life. So like we have to be perfect. Everything is to be spot on. And you know, when you do two or three of these every weekend all summer, you know, you don't forget that, but you keep reminding yourself like this is, this isn't just some little get together. This is their wedding. Right. You got to throw it down as if it was your wedding day of their life. So that's how we do it. And that's kind of been part of the brand we've built here. So, I love that, man. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, dude, I'm psyched. I'm getting all the young guns on right now. I yeah. just had Jack McGarry on last week, the owner of uh, the Dead Rabbit. I don't know if you ever heard of the Dead Rabbit in New York City. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was, he was 32, I think, 34 when I was interviewing him. And you're wow. someone you're 32, 33. 33, yep. But I love talking to people like you because I think the industry has evolved and changed so much over the past 20, 30 years that the come up over the past five or 10 years is a different game than what it was you know, 20 or 30 years ago. So using technology and how to start from the, I, I, I'm just really excited to dive into today's conversation, man, because I know this is going to be good, but um, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? 
Um, we could start at the beginning. I mean, I'm 33. Um, I grew up outside of Boston. My family uh, owns a venue called Lombardo's. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a huge venue hall in Randolph. Um, we're a four-generation family business, so it's pretty rad. We grew up in the function business um, in East Boston. My grandfather had an old uh, supermarket, and upstairs there was a bowling alley. And it was vacant during the holidays, and one one day someone called and said, hey, we want to have a our holiday party. Can we use that space? And he was like, yeah, you guys can rent it, and you know what? We'll make all the food because we have the supermarket. And that's how this idea was born. And, uh, you know, fast forward 100 years later, um, Lombardo's is striving, and, you know, I grew up in that family hospitality industry yeah. in life. Um, but throughout that... Uh, path of mine I've kind of making my own little journey if you could say yeah so, so is this something that the, the, the family path is it the path that you wanted from an early age or did you decide later on that this is what you're gonna do great question so I I loved hospitality I love cooking since we were kids like that was our life that was everything um, I went to University of Vermont and studied business administration there. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur and run my own business. That was always the dream. And throughout college, I was obviously obviously chefing it up for the boys and cooking every weekend. But I always said, I don't want to make this my career. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. Why? Because I've grown up in it. I've seen the million chefs that, we've, that we have cycled through. And, um, you know, I wanted to keep it a hobby and... I didn't want it to overtake my life to the point where it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be passionate about it anymore. Yeah. Um, but being that I love cooking so much, um, after college, I moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which was my home for the next five or six years. So ski bum? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Full on. So I moved there. I, up until that point, I was strictly front of the house. Uh, serving, waiting tables, um, you know, front facing. And I always was looking into the kitchen, you know, being like, I can get back there. <laughs> like, I can hang with these guys. And then when I moved to Jackson, uh, my roommate was a sous chef at a restaurant called The Kitchen, uh, part of the Fine Downing Hospitality Group, which is unbelievable. And The Fine Downing Hospitality yep, Group? I'm yep. going to have to make a mental note. When I get that RV, I'm going to have to make a stop in uh, Absolutely. Jackson. I might drop a name for you later, too. Nice. But Gavin Fine owned it. Um, and my roommate, Josh, was like, hey, man, we're down a chef, like, I know you cook every weekend. We need someone. Can you come cook? And I was like, I'll come in. And so part of that vision was to work in the back of the house so I could get the full, you know, 360 of the restaurant. Because I always knew the front of the house and, you know, the customer part, but I never got that back of the house training. And I thought that'd be important with me, with whatever career I went through. Um, And then within six months, I was the shoe chef there. Holy shit. They sucked you in. They sucked me in. Kitchens do that. They find somebody that can hang, and they they have trouble letting go of that person. They say, you're with us now. And Eric, it was the the dream, man. I I hired all my boys, all my buddies. We'd go ski powder all day. We'd come cook. And uh, it was an awesome restaurant. I became the chef there. And then they had another restaurant called Bin 22. Um, which was this awesome mozzarella bar, tapas restaurant. There was actually a wine and liquor store in it, and you could go buy a $10 bottle of wine and sit at your table and have dinner, which was like a super rad concept. And so I was the executive chef there for several years, and um, 
that was just where I learned everything, man. I was a sponge. I was a little kid. So when you say you learn, you're talking about food or are you talking about the business? So primarily the food, the culinary aspect. You know, I was cooking, um, you know, family recipes, grandmother, my mother, but it was I was fully in it now, running a crudo bar, doing sashimi, you know, full scratch kitchens, pulling mozzarella and learning how to do all the numbers and food costs and really getting into the managerial part of it, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, unparalleled was that learning experience. So I'll never forget it. In yep. terms of the managerial side of things, yep. the, the leadership side of things, how did you grow the most during this time? What was what was the evolution for you during this time? Is first time it was like really running a kitchen on your own, right? Absolutely. And I think a lot of the things I learned there translate to me today, especially with, you know, part of that learning experience was managing staff. And I hired my friends who smoked a ton of weed and skied all day and didn't cook, but they wanted to hang with me. And I, and I took this team and we had the, we created the best environment out of not these Michelin star chefs and these huge resumes of just, you know, normal guys and girls. And, and we, cultivate an environment which is everything in a kitchen we'll get into that because yeah. this goes i think there's two schools of thought never hire friends yep or work with only friends and I, I don't know which ones i think it depends on who you are and what you're going for but where do you fall on that line so i was never had any ownership i was just the chef there so being an owner now i think i would lean towards not hiring your best <laughs> friends but at the time um in the environment i was in it was the best experience ever. And it, and it worked out. And I proved to Gavin and to these guys who are running this company that, you know, we can, it can work. Right. So. I mean, I kind of, I don't know where I fall on that line. I think there's pros and cons to both, right? When you're not working with friends, it makes yeah. it easier to cut ties, right? Absolutely. If somebody's not carrying their weight or they're breaking policy or whatever, it's easier to be like, hey, like you knew what the rules were you signed the agreement you know when you came to come work here that you're going to follow these these protocols and these policies you're not see you later that's harder when it's a friend you know but on the flip side you know you're pulling 80 plus hours 90 hours a week who why wouldn't you want to be with the people you love you know wouldn't that time be better if you enjoy the people you're working with i think so Absolutely. So it's, it's a weird balance. It's a weird balance. And then, and then especially in that town with the athleticism and just like the sports and everything we're doing all day, it was a perfect balance of, you know, scheduling and, hey, you can go play. But when I want to go, I'm up. And it was like this perfect kind of ebb and flow for that small town, like yeah. ski town. So how, um, how old were you when you moved out to Jacksonville? I moved after college. So I was 22, 22, 22 years old. Yep. 22. How long were you there? I was there for five and a half years. So you... Seven or so until you were twenty seven. Yep, exactly. So, what made you come back? I mean, were you skipping over any part of your story while you were out there? Nope, that's a perfect transition. Um, I was living the dream out there. Life was couldn't been any better. I was dating my girlfriend, who's now my wife now. Sovereign was living with her and running the best restaurant in Wyoming, and just you know kicking ass. And life was great. Um, my mother at the time. Um, would always call me and say, Matt, you got to buy Chef Roland's catering. And that was what Pink Door previously was, was Chef Roland's. And it was here in the Cape, and he had just a catering company here. Okay. And so he would be open from April, May till about November and just cater weddings, and he would take the winners off. 
And so mom was like, yo, you should move home because you can live on the Cape with me and our family. And <laughs> yeah. then you can go ski all winter and it'd be the dream. And so I was like, yeah, yeah, ma, whatever. I'm having a blast out here. This is where I want to live for that the rest of my life. an awesome, your mom's not dumb though. Because I've heard people, I know a lot of people who do that. They build businesses around yeah. peak seasons where you see this a lot in Maine where people yeah. have like the, the restaurant in like Saco, right? Yep, exactly. And during the peak summer hours, like they have this whole staff of people that they bring to the ocean. They put them up, they help them find cheap, affordable housing. And then they're beach bumps mm-hmm. from like May to September. September. And then when like that season slows down, they, they, they close up shop, they get ready for, they close for the winter and then they go open the spot in Sunday river, you know, exactly. in the mountains. So they're getting peak seasons year round, you know, and they, and they have these, this, these, this group of ragtag people who are like, who like to chase the vibe. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, there's something to be said there. You're, you know, she, mom's not, she's not dumb. No, she's not. So the story gets a little crazier, Eric. So she's not. Um, so she'd always kind of plant that seed in my head. Um, but I was living the dream there, um, running the restaurant, went to the James Beard house with my hospitality group. Like it was just that's sick, dude. Living, it was awesome. And uh, my mother got diagnosed with cancer, oh, shit. and uh, it metastasized to her brain. And she ended up passing away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. And it was, and my mom was my best friend in the world. Yeah, like, tough. literally taught me everything in the kitchen and taught me who I am and, you know, what it means to be, you know, a Lombardo, but to take care of other humans like you want to be treated. And so um, when she got sick, I told Gavin, I said, guys, I'm out. I'm going home. And they're like, when you come back? I was like, I have no idea, but I need to go be with my mother. So I came home and I was here, you know, for a little under a year. Um, and I worked with my family at Lombardo's and I was with my mom and we traveled and uh, we did some awesome things together. And then she passed away in January. I'm happy you were able to do that. You know, sometimes people don't, they yep. don't know what time they have left. Absolutely. To, to, to take that time and to be intentional with them. And I'm happy you were able to do that. Absolutely. So I, I, uh, I moved home and my life just flipped. It was a whole different world. I lost our best friend and, um, and then I said, only like five years ago. Yeah, it's five years ago. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, at that time I didn't know what I wanted to do. I needed to be home with my family, but I also had this life waiting for me and restaurant and everything grading for me in Jackson and I didn't know what to do. Um, and so long story short, um, my wife is in Oakland. I moved out there for just four months. I worked in an awesome restaurant there and then she ended up getting into Oakland, into Oakland, California. And then, uh, I moved back to Boston cause she got into school here and I knew this would be home for the next couple of years. And so I said, you know what, why don't I go work for chef Roland? This wild idea my mom had. Yeah. And I worked for him and ran his numbers and really knew he was trying to sell the business and ended up buying it. Nice. So I pinched myself every day that I'm living mom's dream right. in this crazy way. So that time you did have with mom yeah. when you chose to come back to be with her, was she still pushing this idea? Was this something that she kept on bringing to the surface? Yeah, it was never a pressure, like yeah. big pressure thing, but it was always like, you should call Chef Roland, like, yeah. see it out. Because yeah. her dream, she loves this place more than anything. And uh, So is there a family tie with Chef Roland? So I worked for him when I was like 17, front of the house, just for one summer. 
and but he is a very well known caterer here in Mashpee. He's a really big brand name, so everyone knows Chef Rollins. He's cater parties. My mother knew him, so yeah. Um, so yeah, he had that kind of stamp on the town. And then I was gonna buy. I decided to buy it, and we were scheduled to buy it March of 2020, and that's when COVID was. My brother and I were out in Vegas for a catering convention. 2020. And it was what a year. Europe's closed and the states are closed and you know all these crazy shit was going down. Yeah. And I'm about to buy this business March 12th and I'm talking to my family, my brother, everyone and I'm like, "What the hell am I? I can't buy a catering business like we're seasonal like yeah. not a chance." And I called Roland, I said, "Hey man, we got to put this off." And we put it off till November. Um, I worked with them all summer, um, and we started this whole retail, which is everything, and got us through COVID, and we kicked ass through 2020. Nice. nice. Um, and then I bought the business November 11th, right here, um, 2020. That's sick, dude. Yeah. Um, I think, is there anything up to this point that we haven't unpackaged that's worth bringing to the, the table before we go to the break? Um. Key mentors, key lessons, key perspectives. Uh, key mentors are definitely, you know, Gavin Fine and kind of that Fine Donnie hospitality group out in Jackson. They really shaped um, my mind for hospitality and, you know, quality of ingredients and cuisine, you know, the culinary aspect and the front of the house aspect. Um, but how did they shape like, how did they shift that? Like, what was your perspective on it before, and what did they do to change that perspective? Accountability. Mm. It's probably everything, you know? It's being accountable for your food, being proud of it, um, not just throwing around what you can in the kitchen, and you know, but planning things out and, you know, sourcing great ingredients and using every ingredient that you possibly can to, you know, deliver your end product, your end dish. So... Um, you know, those fine tuning, how do they teach accountability? It's a great question. Checking in on you, get paid the big but also, <laughs> you know, how do you teach accountability? Um, I think by enabling your staff and your employees to be proud as if they own the place. Yeah. Um, you know, whether that's giving you a little more limelight in the camera and saying, you know, this is your restaurant, you know, although I own it, but, you know, giving people that um, sense, sense of, of ownership, of ownership yeah. you know? Letting them, though, yeah, you know, like, I think that's a big issue in the industry where yeah. you have these incredibly talented chefs <laughs> that are cranking out such creative dishes or ideas, yeah. and then the, the, the celebrity chef at the top goes, oh, thanks, and yeah. then they, you know, present it as their own. And, um, I mean, that's a really great way to get people to get the hell away from you, you know? Like, so why, why is it important? Like, what happens when, when you have that sense of ownership, when they let you be seen? You, you give it your all. You know, you have something to be proud about. You have something to um, make you wake up every day. You know, this is my restaurant. It needs to be as clean as possible when we get here first thing in the morning. So we don't start off cleaning, you know, it needs to end the night like that. You know, people and another quote, you know, I, I live by and everyone here lives by as well as character is who you are when no one's watching. Mm. So I feel like that translates through a lot of kitchens everywhere, but the true people and the true leaders in this industry really, 
know what that means because when you right. say it, they're like, yeah. You know, that's right. a pride is the word that's coming yeah. to my mind. When you're, when you're seen, I mean, and I, I echo this all the time. I feel like my listeners probably know what I'm about to say. Being seen mm-hmm. is the second or is like the third most important thing on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't know how much we believe in Maslow's right. hierarchy of yep. needs, but it's right above food and shelter and security. You know, beyond security and food and shelter, your most basic human physiological needs, being seen is the next more important thing. Like, how crazy is that? And it's such an easy thing to obtain for most restaurant owners just Mm -hmm. to to give people the acknowledgement and let them know, like, I appreciate, like, where would I be without you? You know, but giving people that opportunity for to be publicly seen, it's just, it's so powerful. Absolutely. And I think that translates to the accountability of your employees too, is, you know, as an owner or an executive chef or, you know, that head honcho in the restaurant being seen is, you know, you may take it for granted, but it's how you elevate the people that aren't being seen. Right. That's everything. Right. So, yeah, man, I love that. Yep. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Thank our sponsors. We'll be right back to talk about how you got this out of the the wings of, uh, or out from underneath the wings of Chef Rollins. Yep. And, you know, you took control of what is now Pink Door Catering and Market. This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Are you overwhelmed by phone calls during a peak mealtime hours? Why let the phone ring when Reachify can direct callers to online ordering, reservations, catering, and so much more? Instead of losing business, automatically turn calls into orders. Infuse your phone with smart technology that can save you time and money and increase revenue for your restaurant. And while Reachify is paying for itself, you can allow your employees to focus on other tasks instead of taking orders and answering facts that are easily found online. Driving digital sales should be a priority as it's been shown to lead to stronger loyalty and higher ticket averages. Not to mention you're getting that precious customer data that you can market to. Reachify, be in control of the conversations you want to have when you're able to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. Again, that's reachify.io slash unstoppable. Restaurant Unstoppable is partnering with CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees. CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees, invites you to learn more about their mission and their fall campaign, Serving Up Hope. CORE is an industry-focused nonprofit that provides financial grants to restaurant employees with children who face a life-altering medical crisis or natural disaster. Serving Up Hope is a national fundraising campaign and an opportunity for the restaurant industry to come together to serve those who will serve us daily. There is complete flexibility for when and how you raise money and CORE has ideas to help. Whether you choose to make a flat donation or fundraise through in-store promotions, CORE provides turnkey resources to make your partnership as simple and successful as possible. It does not stop there. Brands who commit to raising $15,000 or more for CORE during this campaign receive logo recognition on the wall of Hope, a nationally promoted landing page that highlights the companies that have chosen to come together for our industry. Choose to participate and you will help build a culture of caring and demonstrate your support 
support for employees and those that qualify for a grant across the country. More than 70% of core grantees are single mothers and they critically need your help to continue to provide funds. So why wait? Showcase your commitment and leadership to help employees in our industry and sign up for the Serving Up Hope campaign today. Visit coregives.org to learn more. Together, we can serve up hope for restaurant families this fall. We're back. <clears throat> and um, so you listen to mom's advice. You got to go by that that catering operation from Chef Rollins. Uh, you, you ride out the pandemic. You wait for the the big tidal wave to kind of crash. And then once things start to stabilize in November, you, you took the, the plunge into ownership. That's right. Yeah, man. Yep. So... What were the, the, the challenges early on? Like going back to November of 2020, like what were your fears? What were your challenges? What were your, your insecurities? I mean, there was a lot going on, you know? I bet. There was a lot. Obviously, COVID was here. Um, me running a catering company and running my own business for the first time ever. Scary. It's terrifying, especially when your lives or when you're doing people's weddings every weekend like you need you can't you can't have a trial summer where like see how it goes like no you're in it so were you doing catering when you were out in uh jackson hole was did you get i did a little bit out there more front of the house before i started cooking um but i wasn't doing much catering there but i did a lot of catering with my family cooking as well so i i knew the, the business yeah i grew up in the business and knew the food aspect of you know, cooking, cranking out food, essentially. So what was the first summer like for you? Was it just about learning the business? Like, was there a goal during that first summer? Were you just trying to help him stay afloat? So Roland stayed with me the first summer. That was kind of part of our transition. Yeah. Um, Cause he had a great brand name here and, and wanted, didn't just say, Hey, good luck. You know, I kept chef Roland's name for, uh, up until about two months ago. Oh really? Yep. I was curious about that. I yep. was like, because I mean, you said he was here for how many years? He's doing this for 25 right. plus years. Yeah. So you're buying the business. Yep. When you're buying a business, you're also buying the reputation, the brand. Exactly. So I was curious as why as to why you guys changed the, the name. But it looks like you kind of recognize that. Exactly. So, you know, my strategic plan, you could say, was to buy the business and remain Chef Rollins until I felt that I had... Um, kind of gained the respect and acknowledgement in the community and educated uh, the town and, you know, everyone that it had transitioned. And um, when I felt the time was right, I obviously wanted to create my own brand and my own um, company. Um, but I definitely knew that in November 2020, if I had changed the name immediately, it wouldn't have been the smartest idea. So I think that was the smartest thing to do is to keep his name um, which I'm grateful for and blessed for, and people still think we're Chef Rollins and, you know, riding some of his successes, but also um, bringing in a new staff here and really elevating people that were previously here um, as well as... What do you as, mean by that, elevating people that were previously here? Um, for example, Byron, who you just yeah. saw here. That's my boy, Byron. He's been working for Roland for 15 years. Um, he is... The hardest working, most unbelievable human I know. He's my best friend because I with him more than my wife. Yeah. Um, but Roland, and I love Roland to death. We get along great. Um, he wasn't the easiest human being to work with. I was this younger, enthusiastic, PVO's mentality chef. 
and Roland was French, old school. Had a lot more uh, yeah. volume in the kitchen, whether that was <laughs> negative or positive. But he didn't want to let go of anything in the kitchen. He had to do X, Y, and Z. And if you weren't doing it that way, then he would let you have it. And it wasn't the most sustainable work environment right. as an employee. Um, coming in, I knew Byron had exceptional skills and... Um, I kind of pawned onto him a lot of the responsibilities that Roland was doing that he wasn't allowing him to do. And now Byron takes care of, you know, butchery and, you know, doing the piccatas and chicken parm and grinding all the meat and cutting all the mirepoix for the bolognese and, like, really just, like, elevating him and delegating tasks towards him um, that obviously helped me as a chef and owner to focus on other things as well yeah um so the thing beyond being seen is personal growth exactly yeah the next important thing is growing with an organization yep exactly it's personal growth and and as you can see here we're open kitchen so you walk in here every day and everyone says hey byron you know like it's that wasn't there really before you know hey byron how are you good and he's telling them what we have or he's making them something and uh it's really cool to see man it's like makes me the happiest in here so when chef rollins was running the business yep. was it just catering yeah so it was just catering he kind of like wish-washy did some deli and takeout meals and during thanksgiving he would do some things but it was never like he was open he was closed it was never this really thing right um but 2020 when we took over i redid this place i painted it we made it look beautiful in here and we started really hammering these chef inspired meals to go and talk about riding the train of COVID and Meals to Go. Right. It was lights out. But, I mean, the cool thing about Meals to Go, that whole vertical of just, I think the world is changing where yep. people are more conscious about what they're putting into their body. They don't necessarily want to go buy, you know, frozen foods from, like, Walmart or, like, your whatever store you go grocery shopping at. Um, they, they want to put good stuff into their body. They want scratch, slow yep. food, good, wholesome food. It's not necessarily easy to get that. You know, and with the with the internet become making things more accessible mm-hmm. and being able to streamline the process of ordering and scheduling and all this stuff, like our we're no longer limited to our four walls. Exactly. You know, so I think the so right now you guys do catering. You do you started the meal prep. Yeah. You also do one other thing. I saw. So our, what I call like our three silos is catering and events. So that's offsite catering. Going to do that's the business you bought. Yep, going to do big weddings. Yeah. Two, we have two this Saturday. I'm assuming that's your cash cow. Yep. Yep. It was our primary cash cow. Yeah. But now, so that's silo one. Um, the other two silos is what you see when you walk in here. It's deli and meals to go. So that's our deli, our lobster roll, which is insane. I had it on a piece of lettuce. That's, it was really right. delicious. I, I was like, Jeff, I need something to eat before we start. I might pass up. Uh, so you get, so it's like basically like a, like a counter, like a walk-in. You can grab yep. things to go. Walk-in, deli, um, lobster rolls, and then we have chef-inspired take-and-bake meals to go. Um, and so those are that's our next silo. You come in. You can grab chicken parm or chicken bacotta, or we might make a, you know, Korean barbecue pork stir fry. We had a smoker, smoking brisket today. It's always different. And then the other silo is the takeout catering. So that's trays of chicken parm, trays of um, lasagnas, or um, it's basically people who call us and say, hey, we want to have a party for 40. And I'm like, well, I already have two parties going. Pick it up. Yeah. And that 
those two styles have almost equaled out into the catering. Like, Holy it's shit. crazy. Nice. So, it's a beast. So, when did you start doing, I'm assuming you started doing the, the so, what was this, what are you titling the second silo again? Um, it's it- catering and events. It's deli and meals to go, and then take deli out catering. So like deli and meals to go was a part of what Chef Rollins was doing, but he didn't really emphasize it. Or yeah, it just it wasn't full on. It was just like kind of wish washy. But now it's established here, and so people know full on catering, yep. traditional catering as we know it. The meals to go. Yep. Um, when did that come into full swing? When did you grow that? We started in COVID, March twenty twenty. So we started kind of into that summer season. Um, and that really, how's it evolved? We're selling a hundred entrees a day. It's crazy. And, and, and the thing is, is that Roland had a, uh, a lot of seniors and elderly and there's a lot of elderly communities, uh, communities within like four. Yeah. It's unbelievable. (laughs) This is retirement zone. (laughs) But it's also like got my brain thinking and I'm, you know, I'm a fine dining chef. I've done James Beard. I've done these epic menus and can throw down the kitchen and we're cooking shepherd's pie and beef bourguignon and chicken bacotta and chicken parm. And, you know, some days I'm, you know, I'm like, ah, I I wish I was doing more elevated things, but also like business wise, it's unbelievable to pair that type of love and comfort food with kind of a senior, uh, community around here. Um, and my intentions of buying this place wasn't to flip it into a health food, um, sweet green, like right. really healthy place. I knew the market here and wanted to retain his customer Savory. base. Yeah. And now I'm starting Actually. to slowly um, bring in the 30-year-olds and having fresh salads and doing all these like, you know, different organic dishes and things like that and having gluten-free options. The next wave is coming, yeah. man. So it's uh, it's been a great learning experience. Um, and then we get to do that fine dining um beautiful cuisine for these weddings and events and private parties so right. it's a perfect balance in terms of trying to scale the second silo right of these grab and go yep. type things um give us some advice of what you've learned the hard way i mean I'm, I'm fishing right now for like detailed like if you're if you're a similar operation where you're a counter uh where you do catering primarily and you're trying to grow other channels of revenue what were some lessons you learned in trying to grow that vertical so, lesson one, the catering business is gold. It's it's easy. When I say easy, you can prep for a party for 200 on a Thursday and Friday be ready and you're good to go. Yeah. And it's, you know what you're doing. You know what you need to get in. You can bang it out. The meals to go, especially the volume we're doing, is a whole nother beast because you're making... A hundred chicken parms, and then they all get sold out. And you're break, you're breaking down chicken and just going and going, and it's just a constant crushing, um, which is great if you have this volume. Um, but in terms of scaling it, which I'm happy I'm talking to you, Eric, and trying to figure out what's next for Pink Door. Um, but I think scaling the meals to go and that takeout catering um, is kind of the next wave. Yeah, um, because staffing is super hard here in the Cape, and f- you can't send somebody you don't really trust to go do a wedding right. for two hundred. Right. So basically, the takeout catering is, hey, yeah. I want to hire you for a catering event, but you're already booked. But I still want your food. Well, we can still cook it for yep. you. You just got to pick it up. You just got to pick it up. Um, anything to consider that might not be obvious. Um, things you learned the hard way when trying to figure out the logistics of that. I think what works. And to anyone out there who has a catering company, 
these three things work as a team. Um, if you were just to do the takeout catering in Delhi, it would be a little more like we don't waste anything here. Like everything is being processed, being used, being sold. You know, um, if we're prepping for a wedding, we're also you know throwing whatever meals we're making for that wedding in the case to sell as well. And so it works in this perfect like continuum. Um, but that's the difficulty of trying to separate one from the other is, you know, trying to figure out, um, exactly how to execute the quality that we're doing. And it comes down to staffing with a lot of things, which is tough Um, right now for everybody. Yeah. Um, what about the seasonality of it all? Are you here year round? Yep. We're here year round. Mom's dream was epic, but I found myself yeah. not skiing 120 <laughs> days a year anymore. You grew the business too yep, well. We grew it too well. <laughs> and uh, I closed for February the last two years just to give everyone a break and get away. And those days are over now, Eric. Like we're kicking ass here. So yeah. um, we're going to stay open through the year. Um, the catering side pretty much dwindles down. We have conferences and other things, but the meals to go. Uh, all the locals here, we sell those all winter long. So did, with all the meals to go, does, does everybody who you're, you, you're selling those to, do they all pick them up or have you explored the idea of doing delivery? Are you um, at that point? 90% of everyone picks them up. Um, if there's a funeral or a death or something, we will bring it to you wherever you are. We don't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we have not gotten into the delivery game and it's not really something I it's a, want to tap into yeah. yet, to be honest. I know that there is opportunity for that but in terms of our staffing and where we are now like we're riding this train of pickups i wonder if there's like a local courier courier that like you could contract out like last last mile where it's just yeah, like hey if you want to pay this the surplus to have it delivered to you that's an option definitely and what um, we're thinking where you just charge whatever it costs you just add that you just pay it forward to the, the yeah what we're thinking of doing is uh you know, in the winter, we're always trying to find a ways to boost revenue. Yeah. And there's a senior community here, Southport. There's like a thousand or two thousand seniors, um, and they come here and shop all the time. But is to do a weekly delivery there, where you can fill out, hey, you know, I want two chicken parms and a piccata, and every family does that, and I bring them all to Southport and do like a distribution there, um, which I think could be a great thing as well. Nice. Um, but finding like those micro markets to deliver to. Let's talk about money. Because um, yeah. it's the first business you ever owned. Yeah. What did you know about running a business? Like, what were the things that you didn't know that from? Like, I mean, you got the experience. You grew up in the industry. Yep. Right. You you worked for all these great restaurants out in Jackson Hole. You went to Oakland, um, but there's still a whole other set of skills that absolutely you have to learn to own the business. What were those skills that were strange to you in like in the early days before you signed the paperwork to make this place your own? Definitely. So I have a business education. You know, I started entrepreneurship, so I have some sort of foundation there. That being said, it was UVM and we were just partying and sending and (laughs) didn't think we were going to be running a restaurant. Um, But looking back, it set a great foundation of knowing enough to fake it, but, you know, know what you're doing. Um, But in terms of the money, it was definitely a learning curve of trying to figure out um, everything, how to pay your bills, how to write checks, how to do X, Y, and Z. And I think that's a great segue as well for um, going into this profit first mentality that um, I've adapted since first, since day one. So I had killed that mosquito yeah, before it gets I have, uh, I read this book, Profit First, 
so what before was before buying so when did you pick up that book before, it was before buying this business okay really so you yep. so you was it when you knew you were going to buy the business looking back and I was talking to you earlier I think I heard the concept from you on one of your podcasts so were you listening to restaurant unstoppable out in Jacklin I was listening to restaurant that's unstoppable. crazy man I didn't want to run a restaurant but you're now good I am. my ego yep. so I uh, I heard profit first and I ordered it and I read it and I knew I was going to buy this business. Is that ESPN? Yeah. Is there a ESPN. good trade? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I knew I was going to buy this business, and I knew that I wanted to do it the right way. Yeah. I've heard enough stories on your podcast and, you know, growing up and everything of failures or this and that, and I just wanted to be set up for success. So you heard about Profit First. What was the first impression you had when you heard of this idea of, like, Profit First? A lot of people, I don't want to put thoughts into your mind, but what, yep. was, what was your thought? It was simplicity. Yeah, it was simplifying um, the organization of your money, essentially. Right, cash flow management. Uh, But what about the idea of just thinking of like profit first? I think a lot of, especially millennial or Gen Z, generally are like anti-profit, anti-money, anti... Did you get that, like, was that, that wave come over you at all? Did you think like, oh, it's not about profit? I... Read that book with an open mind, knowing that I needed to change my mentality of how things were viewed. Um, and as a owner, it's a lot different reading that book. Um, so I think I adopted it from the beginning. And I knew when I bought the business, I wanted to start off with profit first. I didn't want right. to maybe get Why into it important? or do Why that. Why is that important to you that you started with, you had that lock and load before ever, you know, taking the business on? I just wanted to. I wanted to prove to myself, but also just to set myself up for success and, you know, take a chance in a weird way. You know, it's like you read, a, there's a million books on everything. Right. You can, right. I don't know, there's endless books on strategies and this and that. Um, this one clicked. It was simple. It made sense. And uh, it was really well written. And so, I wanted to build the foundation of my business on this concept. So after yeah. reading the book, what was the, the the biggest like impression it made on you? After reading the book and obviously implementing it, but it made the impression that you can make profit and make sense of your cash flow with any business. And I think about a million other businesses, not in the food-related industry, of applying these concepts to that and being like, oh, I can make this car wash work or I could do X, Y, and Z like, cause the way that the cash flow is kind of done as long right. as you, so when you, when you purchase this business, did yep. you need to go get a loan? Did you, were you putting money aside? So I had some money from my family, um, that helped me with the purchase price. Um, and I put down that money for Roland's and then I kind of, me and him, you know, since we had a good relationship, made like a payment plan over nice. the next five years. So nice. it's super reasonable for me and nice. him. Yeah. I yep. love that. Good for so. you. But, um, I mean this, this idea of profit, I think when we hear I profit, people are like, well, it's not profit first. It's not all about money. It's yep. about my why or, you know, the, my passion or what yep. we're trying to do to make a difference in the community and like all this emphasis on money, money, money. The, the thing is like you, you can't be there for your business if your business isn't there for you. Right. And when you take profit first, this idea of profit first, if you take, if you just take that 10% off the top, 
every time and you're putting that aside, yep. you won't miss it. You don't even know that it's going away. It's crazy how the mind works. If it's not, if it's out of sight, if yep. it's out of sight, out of mind, right? Exactly. And then you just have this, this satellite account that's just every 10 cents and every dollar you make is going into that account, going into that account. Six months will go by. Mm-hmm. You'll open that account and be like, holy shit, I got $10,000 yeah. in here. Like, what am I going to do with this $10,000? Well, what do you, what is, what is your business need? What's an asset? Right, so you only spend that money on, on paying off debt, mm-hmm. or investing in assets to to scale your business and grow your business. Right, so I guess what I was curious about: Did you have debt that you had to pay off after buying this? Did it help you pay off and, and own this business outright faster? So or do you still? I still owe rolling money. Yeah. I'm my last. I have two more years to pay, but yeah. because of the concepts of profit first he's i have all his money in a rolling account i set up another account named Roland, yeah and i've been putting 10 percent in and can we I talk mean, about your accounts do you mind getting yeah that absolutely so there's traditionally i think five accounts yep. with, according to casey i mean there might be six or seven depending on if you're a restaurant yeah, I don't, or not. yeah. so th- those five accounts are profit mm-hmm. owners pay or sorry profit tax owners pay operational expense and then there's an income yep that's the, the that's the dump. That's fund. where all the money yep. goes in. So all the, whenever you're getting paid, money goes into that account, and then from there you allocate it to one of those additional four accounts. Yep. I think Casey talks about creating a separate account for sales tax and maybe another one for employee tax. Yeah, just she's so you got, keep that. Yeah, she's got a lot of sub levels that. So, yeah, I haven't got into yet, but I've basically built the foundation on those five accounts. And part of the reason I guess now thinking back about it is why I wanted to start off with profit first is because I did owe Roland money. And I also owed money back into, you know, what I borrowed from my, my own, you know, fund or loan that I got from my family. Um, So it was very simple. I set up another account, named it Roland. Instead of paying owner's pay at 20% or whatever, I paid him 10%, paid me 10%, and it was unbelievable. And it just Why? simplified everything to me. It was, I could see it in, especially here, because it's super seasonal. So the cash flow here is like a bit of a roller coaster, um, which I'm still navigating, but I had, I've been able to pay him off for the last you know, year. Right. But, and you don't have to think about it. Yeah. You don't have to think about it. Cause as cash is coming in, yep. you're just allocating it. And it's this idea, like they say, like if you're trying to diet, like just use a smaller plate. Exactly. Like if you fill your plate, yep. you're going to eat everything that's on your plate. Money for some weird reason works the same way. If you have one account mm-hmm. and you look at that and you go, I got $10,000 in the yep. bank. Well, 20% of that doesn't belong to you. Exactly. That, that belongs to the IRS. Right. So if you start just taking this food or money off your plate, then you're left with a smaller amount. But if you just put it in a small on a smaller plate, then your plate looks full, but you're going to eat less, right? Definitely. So it's, just, it's the same idea with budgeting and money. So if you just have this one account mm-hmm. that this is your money for your business, operational expenses, then you start operating much more leanly. You don't start taking stupid risks or buying things that you think you have money for, but it turns out you don't, right? I can't imagine having one bank account, which I'm sure 90% of business owners have. Right. It's just... Mind mind blowing to me, right? So, it's unbelievable. I have Roland's money put away. It's you know I have a hundred grand in there right now. Yeah. I could write I could write the check tomorrow. And right. be done. Like profit, amazing. Yeah, profit but, first is one of these foundational. So after a thousand episodes, I'm yeah. kind of being forced to do some self reflecting and being like, what what can I get behind? Mm-hmm. After a thousand interviews, what are the one of the out of these these myriad of topics and and 
ways to do things. Like what are the ones that I can just get behind? Mm-hmm. Profit first is like top on that list. It's also something that we do here at Restaurant Stoppable. Yep. And uh, when I started working with Casey, I want to say it was going back to like 2020. I started working with Casey. Before that, like I was in trouble. Like I was like I was in trouble. Like every dollar I made, like I needed to, to scale my business. I was two or three years behind on the IRS. I was on payment plans and stuff like this. So like I was horrible with cash flow. I'm not that was a fear of mine. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to start this off in 2020 the right way. Like yeah. I didn't want to get in a situation where, exactly. oh, fuck, what's this? What's that? Like, I just, I said, you have to do it. Just yeah. do it. Yeah, man. And I did it, and it has been, and I preach it to everybody I know. And it's I just think a simple start, concept, especially it, for your life, too. Yeah, just, dude. And those 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 methods do spill over into your life. So you yeah. have your owner's pay account, right? Yep. Then you start realizing, oh, for like, Okay, so I should have now this money goes into a separate personal account, right? And from there, I should probably put like thirty percent into my mortgage account. Yeah, uh, you know, ten exactly. percent into my food account, and like you just start thinking like I need to allocate. Cash. My wife is like, I was like, honey, like when you open your bank Trust account, me. you're gonna see like five accounts. Don't freak out. She's <laughs> yeah. like, she's like, what do you do? I was like, you don't have to worry about it. Like I'll do it all, but just like look at it and it's like yeah. it's, it's perfect but i think you're so smart yeah. to do it from day one because it, it's just one of those things that like it just takes so much stress off your plate and uh you got to pay the people like the irs yeah. like you can't yeah, not crazy. fuck that up because that will be one thing that will screw you that tax account time. is unbelievable right i got hit i've got like ninety thousand dollars in there just sitting and i'm like great so like, when it's tax time I'm yeah good like yeah. fuck yeah i don't have to worry about right, anything dude. like dude, that, is, that oh alone is worth Tax everything so stressful man yeah. anxiety of like where am i gonna get this it's money crazy. it is so satisfying so to be like oh it's tax season yeah. all right bring it on yeah, yeah bring it i got money in the yeah. bank so. like i've been thinking how, how often have has this happened to you where you have more money put aside than what you need for taxes with, with all with everything yeah isn't absolutely. that awesome <laughs> yeah it's the best thing ever <laughs> where you're like oh wait i but have i leave it in i mean i i like to leave it in there and yeah. keep this buffer that's like how my mind works Security. too it's just like yeah security yeah yeah um what about your operational expenses in terms of well where's the business today at? like and like no disrespect to roland obviously but have you scaled the business like in terms of cash flow from when he was running it to where you are today oh yeah i uh i've almost maybe this year but almost doubled his revenue wow so and he was doing the, a good business before yeah he's doing a great business um he was doing seven eight hundred grand a year um and year one was like well over a million for me and same with last year so what changed what What changed within the operation that made you do those numbers was it just the the branding do you think the pink door kind of had something to do with it uh nope i don't think the pink door did yet because the pink door is new it's only yeah that's true six six weeks seven weeks in really new yep um i think a lot of that was management of cost of goods sold my year one i was 45 percent food cost you know, and then next year it was thirty five percent. Just to like recognizing the- that you know, and that's what Casey and the team at Spark, you know, is like. Hey, this is your food cost. What are you doing? Boom, shave it ten percent in a year. Wow. Um, the meals to go, and the other thing, Eric, with here, which is different, is inheriting Roland's business. I also inherited his pricing, and he was extremely generous. Yeah. And it was something that I couldn't be like, hey, guys, new owner, now your chicken parms that were 18 bucks or 28 bucks, yeah, what they should 20, be. 20% price increase. Yeah. And so now 
in literally the last six weeks, I finally hit to like where I want to be price wise. Um, and that goes across the board with weddings and with everything, um, is, you know, your pricing structure and realizing, you know, we're a place of value here. Um, you can get dinner for two for 24 bucks chicken parm. You can't do that anywhere. Um, but having the nuts to charge more than you think for certain things. I mean, did you do the due diligence of really engineering to figure out what is this costing us and where is it? How is this manifesting in the business? Yes. Um, but I'm not perfect and haven't done like a full deep, um, you know, I know my cost on everything, but it was more learning the market, learning the customer, um, and realizing that selling a sandwich in Italian on a fresh baked roll with chips for eight bucks, like right. that's not going to work, guys. Like you don't have to be a mathematician to figure that out. This but, is where my parents got in trouble. Yeah. Their business is my dad. He. We didn't have the best location. We mm-hmm. were in East Bumfuck, New Hampshire. Yeah. Like literally <laughs> like with cow patties and cow fields around us. Like he's like, how the hell are we going to get people to come to this small town to, to pay, you know, for this meal? And his, his rationality is we have to offer extreme value. We have to put more food on the plate and mm-hmm. offer a lower rate. Yep. So you're giving yeah. more and charging less, you know? And his thought was the volume will make up for it because like people will fall in love with us. They did fall in love. We had clients out the door every weekend because people yep. were getting a hell of a deal, you know? And the, the, it was, but the, at the end of the day, like you, you can't make, unless you're, you know, magic, you can't make those numbers appear. They have to come from somewhere. And a, and a lot of the reason it worked for Roland works for us too, is you had that catering as like your engine that ran this place. Um, so you could get away with charging a little less on these other things because you knew that that catering was just going to, you know, your food cost and that was through the roof and unbelievable. Um, but now, um, you know, I'm starting to price it more how it should be, but right. remaining that value. You know, we, we're still a very local place. Landscapers come here. They know they can get unbelievable. Everything's scratch. You can see us breaking down everything. Like, it's it's really unique. So Right. So, cost of goods. You were at 41. She helped you shave six points. I was at 44%. 44. And I'm 34 last year, yeah. That's huge, man. So. Mosquitoes are starting to come. We got one in your neck. I know, right? We're, Keep if, it you, if you're watching the video, we're doing ninja, <laughs> yeah, ninja exactly. moves over here. Um, but, uh, okay, so... You said cost of goods, um, uh, really kind of just knowing where the money was going, bringing down the cost of goods. Um, you started doing more takeout. So basically you were, you were wasting less food. You weren't throwing things away. Correct. Is that what I'm Wasting hearing? less food, more strategic ordering. You know, Roland would buy 10 or 12 peppers, and it's like buy a case of peppers is cheaper. And yeah. we'll use it now that we're cranking on all three of these right. silos. So definitely doing that helped. Um as well. And we also upstairs, which is really cool, there's a substance abuse and recovery center called Foundations. Okay. And there's 60 patients every day, and we feed them lunch nice. every day, five days a week. So we're constantly cranking food and nice. I'm about to smack you in the face with this <laughs> mosquito. mosquito. All right. That's cool, man. I've, I've had some crazy places to record this podcast. Yeah. This, I've, this is not the weirdest place yeah, to record right. your podcast. You're fine. Um, so, so basic, in terms of, of, of evolving the business what else happened how else did casey and spark and if for the record i don't think casey and spark are taking on any more clients right now i think they're at max capacity so if you're thinking to yourself yeah. i want to work with casey sorry <laughs> yeah um but there's a little teaser coming at the end I'll, I'm, just, I'm gonna hold off on that what i've learned you know casey what i also really wanted to do which i'd recommend to all business owners um if you're able is to delegate some things yeah. like you know, I wanted Casey. I'm not a, 
you know, back in college, I knew Excel and was a pro and could do things. But after, you know, eight years of ski bombing, you know, I was like, I want someone who knows what they're doing, who can bookkeep and, you know, do that. I want a really good accountant. Um, I want someone to handle my financials because, you know, am I going to go and set up all these things, you know? So I think it pays to invest in people to help you and, and hold your hand with certain things. For sure. Um, and that just allows you as an owner and as a chef to go get that money, go get that money and to get bookings. And, um, part of our strategy is not to do more events on the catering side, but to kind of get more money from each event. That makes sense. How do you do that? Um, upselling, we have a liquor license, trying to do the bars and do the liquor for every event, trying to attach raw bars to everything. Um, we have two trucks, so, the, the headache of two trucks is already insane. So the thoughts of expanding to three or four trucks right now is not something that I'm interested in at this moment. Um, but I think getting more money and more revenue out of each event and each wedding by upselling or, you know, pushing the lobster or, you know, trying to do these things that are going to bring that dollar amount up from each weekend. Right. So. so people call you and they yep. say, Hey, we want to do this. This is what we want for our wedding. Yeah. You go, Absolutely. And do you yeah. really want this to be a night to remember? Yeah, exactly. Because so you it, could also do this. You could also, also do this. That. Did you consider this? Yeah. Yep. But we're transparent, we're simple, and I'm thirty three, so all these people I'm meeting with are my age. So yeah. it's super fun. I'm like, yeah. listen guys, I know what it's like to be at a wedding. Yeah. So I'm going to treat it like I want to be there. Yeah. Like I'm going to, we don't pass three or four apps. We pass 16 different apps at every wedding. Like yeah. it's a through the roof. Um, I think this guy got me. There's a fat mosquito flying around now. I think he just, just took off from the back of my head. Um, all right. So I think we're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. And we're going to talk about um, anything that we haven't talked about and also talk about where you're going in the future. Cool. This episode is brought to you by Pop Menu. There are a lot of elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Are you connecting with your diners enough and with the right message? Or could your kitchen put out more orders than your dining area has room for? It can be a lot and very overwhelming when you got into this business for the food and the people. And that's why restaurants get Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the restaurant technology designed to make growing your restaurant easy. With Pop Menu, you can attract more guests to your website that's designed to easily collect their contact info and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. With Pop Menu, you can also stay top of mind and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that drives new and repeat business. And also, Pop Menu lets you make all your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of restaurants' digital presence. Pop Menu, technology for restaurants ready to grow. If you are a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you can get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. 
Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back. And um, let's talk about, you know, any other thing that we haven't discussed in terms of how Profit First served you, uh, how else, you know, Casey and coaching and, and getting you guys down from 44 to 35%, uh, increasing sales, anything along those lines that haven't come out. Uh, like where, where is Pink Door today? Um, Pink Door today is a fresh new brand of Cape Cod. Yeah. It's premier catering company. Um, part of the rebranding as well um, was people thought we were just a catering company. So where Chef Roland's catering the last couple of years, people wouldn't come in our doors because yeah. they didn't think we would sell other things. Because they're not looking for catering. They're not looking for catering. Yeah. So they'd be like, oh, you sell meals to go or, you know, you have a deli? What are you talking about? So part of that branding was to add catering and market to get that those other two silos cranking. And Got I think it. that was super strategic and has really benefited of people being like, oh, they're not just a catering brand. They're catering and full service meals to go um, as well. Um, and yeah, Kevin Casey and their team, um, reports every month, you know, email, boom, this is where you're at. This is where you're weak. This is where you're strong. Um, those are great to have. Um, and it's great having professional like, you right. know, Casey to be there. To I say, look forward to my monthly calls with her. I, mean, I it's love like, it. It's, it's like financial yeah. um, counseling. And, and it's a little scary for us cause in January, February, March, it's, not the greatest and you're like holy yeah. crap what's this season gonna be like and then now you're like oh my god it's amazing right. so i'm also thinking with pink door yeah. too like what percentage of your sales would you say are from weddings in the catering vertical so i'm curious to kind of see how it ends up this year um but i think it's gonna be like 60 40 of the catering to the deli and meals to go but in terms of out. catering alone yeah. how much of your business is weddings I would say in that silo, I would say sixty percent of our revenues from the weddings and the offsite catering and weddings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in terms of so, when you do a catering, yep, is it sixty percent of all the catering events you do are weddings? Uh no. So in terms of that, I would say maybe like seventy percent are weddings, and the rest are 
conferences. We have some great accounts of Woods Hole, yeah. Geographic. The conferences are big money. The corporate side is, is something I'm, I want yeah. to build out too. Where I'm going with this is yeah. pink hat or sorry, pink, pink door. door. I'm looking yeah. at hat. Uh, pink door to me just like screams more feminine, more yeah. like a wedding event. Right. And I feel like the branding would probably help with that. You know, I think, I don't know if I feel like a, a lady planning her, her wedding day will see pink door and be like, yep. this, that's for us. That's our brand right there. That was the idea. So yeah. the vision for Pink Door was our grandfather had a house here on the Cape my whole life. Um, and the front doors of that house were pink. Yeah. And when you walked in those doors, Eric, it was my mother was cooking. There was good music. And it was just the best memories, the best time. And mom's rule was whenever you come through those pink doors, you're always welcome back no matter what, in your family. I love that. And that's what our kitchen is here. We actually have these sweet pink doors. Um, And when you walk into our kitchen, your family, we know your name. Um, You know, we feed you, we hug you. It's awesome. But we also wanted to not lose that catering part of the brand so that pink door appeals to the bride. Um, And it's personal. And it's personal to me. It reminds me of my mother. It's the color of cancer. And it's just like has all these underlying things that are super important. I love that. But definitely branding wise to, you know, pink brides, weddings, right. like it's right in line there. What's been the biggest challenge for you as a, as a business owner, as a, a catering company owner? Wow. Um, honestly, it's still so fresh for me right now. This will be year three in November. Um, and I think what my mentality is now moving forward is to try and uh, remove myself a little more from the kitchen. Yeah. Um, how's that going for you? It's going great. Um, but I want to take it to another level. Um, but it's going great trying to delegate and elevate the people and the staff around me. Um, and whether that's giving them, you know, new opportunities or, um, teaching them new skills with a knife or with the POS system or enabling them to run specials, um, I'm pretty fun to work with. There's no rules in here. So if you want to run a special or smoke a brisket or do this, you know, everything's fair game. Um, But I think definitely um, I've been very fortunate with staffing. We have an awesome crew here, um, which I'm super grateful for. Um, But definitely I, I want to, delegate a little more of like ordering and things like that yeah. as well yeah so. man i mean you're you're yeah you're a young guy man 33 years old three years into the business yeah. like you're doing an amazing job the fact that you're able to double revenue in that time yeah. not only were you able to double revenue but you're also shaving points yep you know so um you know we can definitely learn from you i know i know profit first was a huge player in that for you and i i i'm I'm trying to get the word out there because I mm-hmm. think it's just such a simple thing we can do to take so much stress and burden off of our shoulders as restaurant owners and operators. Um, but in terms of uh, where we're going or where you're going, uh, you know, the mission statement of Restaurant Unstoppable is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. What do you think needs to change? How are you going to be intentional about creating a better industry going forward? You know, it sounds like you're doing it in terms of being fiscally responsible, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, locking that down but what else i think teaching people awareness of quality of ingredients and cooking of like a just a simple human 
basic need of to eat and to feed and we're happy to make those meals for you if they bring you a smile to your face and you know after a stressful week you know that's super important for us um but i think trying to build this pink door brand of it's our pineapple it's our hospitality brand and i really want people to um you know see that pink door feel that sense of family whether that's a senior who's a widow living by herself or you know a 28 year old you know getting married and starting his family is kind of starting that um you know sweet life kind of moving forward on the bigger picture of the industry as a whole yeah right somebody who's been working in the industry now for you grew up in it you know you worked in jackson hole running Mm -hmm. kitchens and doing front of house where do we need to go away from you know what I'm saying? As we if, as we go into the future, what needs to transform about the industry? What could we do better in your in your opinion? I think we need to elevate the hardest working individuals in the kitchen, and those human relationships are most important. Um, we don't have a dishwasher here. We don't have a employee who's our dishwasher. Yeah, we all do the dishes. We all spend two or three hours in there from Byron to me to Joe. You were soaking wet when I showed yeah, up today. 66 year old chef I have, Byron's 58, you know, doesn't matter how old you are. Um, and I've learned that in all the restaurants, there's always a dishwasher who gets paid minimum wage and does most work out of everybody in that kitchen. And that was the first thing I did here was, listen, we're not bringing in that person. It's been three years. Yeah. We're doing it ourselves because that's how we are as human beings. And um, I think for the industry moving forward is to is to get away from some of these entitled and me-centric chefs and really elevate the members of the team who put in that work and make that end product really special that don't get any credit for it. I'm really fan yeah. of, of those models where people just rotate through yeah. positions. There's this one place that I reference a lot in Newfields, New Hampshire called the Oak House and they literally cool. they they rotate their front of house and back of house staff through I all positions. Yeah. And it's a way to, to combat the the pay gap between front of house and back of yep. house. Everyone gets to to get the perspective of the other person and they know when the shit's hitting the fan what that mm-hmm. person's going through and it just helps everybody just empathize or she even say empathize it's really at that point it's sympathizing because you've that. been there. Yep. You know what it's like and everyone takes turns in the dish pit but it just it just helps kind of level the playing field and, and creates kind of a, this, this level of respect for each other and the roles are doing that is otherwise un- never met that's that's how i feel eric and i you know obviously like where's this industry going someone's gonna figure out a new way to suv or do this right. there's so many culinary things but I think it's more what you're learning as an individual and as a human being and what type of character you want to be um, when no one's watching, but also when shit is hitting the fan and you need to deliver and, you know, really cultivating relationships and growing just human needs. Yeah, I don't man. know. Yeah, dude. Um, I already took a break to thank the sponsor, so we're going to go right into the speed round. Whoa. So this is 10 questions, man. Don't overthink it. First answer that comes to your mind is the right answer. You ready to start? Sure thing. All right, dude. What's the first question is what is your it factor? A habit of trade, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? PVS. Positive vibes only. Oh. I love that. What is your biggest weakness? Um biggest weakness is 
just too nice sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I'm too bad. Positive, I'm too- bad at yelling. It's also a weakness <laughs> of mine, and I'm really working on as my personal growth is trying to be more of a boss and less of a friend. Dude, radical candor. Check out that book. Radical right candor. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the author. I love it. Uh, Send it the to power me. of candor, directness. It's it's in a way that's not mean. You know? That's it. Yeah, dude. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? One question I ask for when I'm growing my team like is, the process. is well, I ask them what their goals are and what's going to make them proud of accomplishing where they want to be. Yeah. And what are you looking for? I'm looking for someone who's going to obviously give it their all, treat, treat this place like it is theirs, um, but also treat the people around them and bring everyone else around them up. I love that. And not bring anyone else down. Share one, sorry, actually, what is your biggest challenge today? Um, biggest challenge today is, is, mosquitoes. is the mosquitoes. <laughs> um, biggest challenge today, um, honestly, man, our, I'm super fortunate of this business right now. Um, I'd say the biggest challenge is navigating the off-season for this seasonal business. How are you overcoming it? Um, profit first, but understanding cash flow and trying to put your time and energy in expanding your business for the off-seasons because during the peak season, you are just in it and right. you can't explore other opportunities, but trying to explore new opportunities or new ways to boost revenue in those slow months. I love that. Yeah. What is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? A way to be, a way to act. Do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? Um, this is something that is common throughout the industry of catering, but something that you guys do to go above and beyond. Um, obviously, customer, customer interaction is everything with this industry, but I think what we do to go above and beyond is to... And I always say this growing up too in interviews is in this, don't take this the wrong way, but trying to make your customer feel a little uncomfortable, but push them when they come in here. What so, do you mean by that? I mean, you know, we have customers who come in every day and they just want to eat a shepherd's pie, you know, and making them be like, you know what, Lydia, you're going to not have that shepherd's pie today. And you're going to try this unbelievable general gouge chicken I made over rice. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? So they get it in their mouth and go, maybe I should order that next time. Every day. We just constantly feeding people like (laughs) you would in our house. I love general sauce chicken. Jesus. So so good. Just, just trying to switch it up with people, man. It's fun. It's challenging. You know, it's like we are sales job in here, trying to sell people, but doing a fun, different way that yeah. is different. What is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner or caterer? Or obviously, one. Obviously, Profit First is amazing. Casey's new book, Profit for, First, for restaurants. So that we should clarify, there's two Profit Firsts out there. Yeah. There's the Mike Michalowicz, who is the OG Profit First um, <clears throat> book. Casey is a profit first professional, meaning she has been given the blessing to preach profit first and she got the blessing to write profit first for restaurants, which is there's a few different things that we discussed. There's different accounts that the restaurant industry is a unique beast. So those, those two, any other books? I've I got one on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. What's it about? It's a, it's a red book. It's about being a leader. Um, but it's really a unique storyline of it has nothing to do with food. Um, cool. But I will get back to you. Is it? Um, 
Good to Great. Good to Great. Yeah. Is that the book? That, I've read that too. That's a great book. Oh, okay. But it's something I think different. It's a right cover. It's a different one, yeah. If, I'll, come, I'll if it comes to your mind, let me know. Yeah. Um, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Um, I would just fall back on, you know, elevating and hiring staff within. Yep. What is one piece of technology you've adopted in your operation that's had a huge impact on efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines? Nothing that crazy here. <laughs> Nothing's been that crazy, obviously. Our, you can get a pass. Our POS system and like our QuickBooks and stuff, but I, I can't think of anything crazy yet. There's some get me's and all these things I hear you do. I'm trying to drop and do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. those will come. Yeah. Mies is a really interesting yeah. company. That's uh, it's Mies doc. I think it's get Mies.com, but it's yep. just Mies is the company. That's like my off season, you know, yeah. a thing my off season I'm going to drop and do. So yeah. Um, happy to make an introduction to Josh Sharkey. If you're yeah, interested in more, for sure. Um, <clears throat> all right. This is the last question. I mean, I can't believe we've made it to the end. Went by so fast. Uh, if you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Uh, one, be grateful every day you wake up because you never know what life's going to hand you next. Yeah. So live life, um, positive vibes only. And I would say that trying to leave an impact on this world um, that's bigger than your wallet or your financials or, you know, the dish you're putting out, but leaving an impact um, in a legacy. But that can be something that no one knows about or a small interaction you have with a customer. Um, It can be the smallest thing ever, but you might impact that person in a way that you had no idea yeah. would change their life. So. Yeah, man. Um, I've had a lot of fun talking to you, man. This was good. Sweet. If we were listening to this and um, we have questions for you, maybe it's about profit first and how, you know, if, if it's something that maybe my listeners are thinking about doing and they want to get talked off the fence or maybe they just are trying to grow their catering and their meals to go or whatever and they have some questions for you. Or maybe they want to come work for you. Maybe they're in the Cape. They sound like yes, you, please. You sound like you're a fun <laughs> guy to work with. Uh, what's the best way to connect? Um, you can go to Pink Door Catering Instagram. Send me a message. Or Eric can share your info with me. But yeah. um, hit me up. Call me. Do profit first. Don't even think twice about it. Right, dude. And Everything good, else will follow. It's a good little uh, teaser yeah. because um, I mentioned that we have something that we're going to share. Casey is tapped out. I mean, feel free to reach out to her. I'm pretty sure she's not taking on any more clients right now. Uh, they're at full capacity. But she is making herself available for Profit First. Um, so Restaurant Stoppable Network, we have a Profit First section within the community. Uh, we actually collaborated with Casey two years ago on a Profit First course. We just kind of updated that course, added some new assets, uh, the Reflector book. And uh, I really believe in Profit First, and I want to create a community of restaurant owners across the nation who are using Profit First. I want Restaurant Stoppable Network to be the place where these people come to learn Profit First. So if you are thinking that motorcycle is great timing. If you're thinking about profit first and you want to implement it in your business and you want a community of people to implement it with and support you, then um, head over to the show notes. Uh, we'll have a link over there to, to get a 30-day trial to the network. Uh, in the network, there's a profit first course. And then Casey Anton is going to be coming uh, to join us live on October 24th 
uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern to answer any of your profit first questions. Uh, and we actually we're going to be rolling um, we're going to be rolling a repeat episode the, the episode that's following this. Um, so make sure you listen to the episode that, that is off the heels of this one because we're going to be going deep into profit first. And this is just one of those things. This is one of those those foundational things that as I move into the future, like this is something that I believe in and I want to get the word out because it will literally transform your business if you if you struggle with cash flow. Management. Yeah, it's powerful. I think that's where we can wrap it up. So again, this is episode 1023. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 1023. We'll have a summary of today's discussion. Any tools, services mentioned will be there. Books mentioned will be there. And the links to get over into the network and to join us. And if you can't join the network, if that network, it's, it's a dollar day. It's $30 a month. If that's out of reach for you, let me know. I will get you a link to join this conversation because it's it's not just about me and my profitability. It's about transforming the industry, and I want to make sure this information gets out there. So email me, eric at restaurantstoppable.com if that's an issue. Matt, my man, thank you so much for, for making time for me to drive down here to, to share your story, uh, to share the impact of Profit First. And there is no questioning, dude. You are unstoppable. I can't wait to come back in five years when you're like, Got Let's go, all baby. the cape on lockdown. That's the goal. With the pink door, dude. That's the goal. Congratulations. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate the time. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Chef Matt Lombardo, for coming on. And I love getting these young guns on the show, people who are straight out of the gates, you know, super profitable, doubling revenue in two years from the, the previous owner. I mean, just doing some awesome stuff. And I know Profit First and working with Casey Anton at Spark Business Consulting had a lot to do with that. I mean, obviously Matt's hustle has a lot to do with that too. Uh, but I mean, if you're not sold on Profit First, if we have your attention, then here's what you're going to do. Head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 1023. We'll have a link in the show notes. We are bringing back the Profit First course. It's actually never gone anywhere. Uh, but we revamped it. Casey has since, since launched her book, Profit First for Restaurants. And uh, we have an eight-module course in the network. And with this course, you get access to Casey Anton as the course instructor. Uh, so digital access. She'll answer questions. She moderates that that course uh forum. Uh, You're going to get an allocation calculator. You're going to get the first two chapters of Profit First. You're going to get access, like I said, to Casey through the course as an instructor. And you're also going to get access to other restaurant owners across the nation who are using Profit First. So you don't have to do it alone. And then lastly, I would love to put together a quarterly meetup in the network where all the Profit First professionals in the network get together to support each other. I mean, I'm a Profit First professional, not professional, but like an implementer myself. Like I I use it here at Restaurant Unstoppable. So I would love to get the support from you, my listeners as well. And if you're still on the fence, uh, I think after listening to Thursday's episode, we're going to republish Casey and I's uh, first interview together. So we're bringing that episode back. And I think after that, you're going to be sold. But 
if, if you still just aren't 100% sold on Profit First, then be sure to join us October 24th at 11 a.m. Casey is going to be live at Restaurant Unstoppable Network to answer any of your, your, your questions around Profit First. This is a a game changer guys I, I i believe in this this that's why i'm pushing it so hard i think i know it will transform you in your business take your profit uh, and i can't wrap up with say without saying thank you to the people who make the show possible thank you to jerry parisi with sumadre podcast for the copyright and editing thank you to callan miola for the community management over at the network you're making this possible thank you callan and thank you to anatazin with the good kind consulting for your executive support uh i you know I'm just so grateful for my team uh, takes an army and mine is going to work. Thank you guys. That's it for today. Until next time. Peace out.